Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Wright Breaks It Down for You. My name is Jessica, as always, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Wright. Hey, Dad. Hi, Jessica. So last week, we were talking about inventions and what to do when you have an idea, what to do when you're in the shower and you have the genius idea for how to make power out of oranges or whatever. So what do you do after you've talked to retirees and patent attorneys and you've decided that your idea is a good idea? What do you do next? Once you've established the fact that you've got a good idea and it's a novel idea, the first thing you should do is, I think, build it. You got to build the thing you're thinking about. Build the orange energy machine. (laughs) You got to build the machine. It's really critical because once you get it built, then you can put it through the paces. You got to figure out what the strengths and the weaknesses are and build up the strengths and, of course, try to reduce the weaknesses. And I think the only time to do that is by building a prototype. I think it's important to do that before you submit your patent. A lot of people have the idea that they're going to go ahead and patent it first and then build it and make it and see what it looks like. But oftentimes you want to make changes once you've built that prototype. And you go, oh, shoot, I should have made this bigger or this smaller. And now you've already sent the drawings into the patent office. Oh, right. What exactly do you mean by prototype? Do you just mean like drawings? It's not drawings. It's oh. the next step. A prototype is a real-life, life-size model of what you're dreaming of. And typically, it's made of the same material that your real product's going to be made of. You want to build it as nearly as possible as your actual idea. And when I first came up with my color-changing toothpaste, I went to Walgreens, and I bought some red toothpaste, and I bought some blue toothpaste, and I put them together, and I mixed them up, and then it didn't work. And then I made changes, and then finally I actually built the thing pretty much just how I wanted it. And that enabled me to see just what the value of the product was. I think it's so critical that you actually build your dream. Hmm. I know I couldn't just, in my basement, make up my magical orange electric thing. And I understand where you're coming from. I mean, a lot of people don't have the equipment to build something like, let's say you're thinking about a pair of sandals that never gets dirt inside of them, but you really have to try and build it. And if you can't build it, there's people in the community who can help you with that. See, when you build the prototype, the weaknesses, the strengths, they all come out and it really puts a different perspective on what you're doing. You got to make it. Now, there's a lot of people in the community who can help you. When I first wanted to make my first whistle, I checked around and there was a guy who'd make a whistle for me, one whistle for a thousand dollars. And it would take three months. He was a prototype fabricator. Oh, my God. I didn't have $1,000. And I sure the heck didn't have three months because I want to get this thing going. All of a sudden, I had an idea. Now, I was a dentist for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I went to my lab man, the guy who makes the crowns and bridges and dentures. See, they use all kinds of equipment in those labs. They have rubber material. They have hard material. They use metal. And so I called them up. And I said, hey, I got this little whistle that I'm working on. And it looks really horrible. But if you could take it and kind of clean it up and make it just right, can you do it for me? And they go, sure we could. And I sent them the little item and they said, yeah, we can fix this up so it looks real pretty, but it's going to cost you $25 <laughs> and it'll take two days. And I said, you're kidding me. What if I want three of them? Well, they'll, we'll do three for 40 bucks, but it'll take a week. I go, give me three of them. Wow. And I, got, and I got it back from the dental lab house and it was pink like a pair of dentures, but it was beautiful. Then me and some friends painted it real pretty. And a week later, I sold 5,000 of them on order. Or you go to a seamstress and say, I'm thinking about a hunter's vest. Or I'm thinking about a new neat pair of socks. They have this, this, and this. Could you do that for me? A lot of them would say, it's a challenge. Sure, I'd love to try. And I think it's a great way to go. You've got to have the prototype in your hand, though. I think it's so important. And there's another reason for that. When you start looking at it saying, how am I going to make 1,000 of these? All of a sudden, you understand how much it's going to cost to build it. It may be uh, too much money. It may cost you 30 bucks to build a thing. And it's only worth $5. 
Right? Right. When you build your prototype, it enables you to really picture how it's going to be built. And then, of course, you can go to companies around you and say, if I want to get this built, how much will it cost? That's interesting. It keeps coming up when you're discussing about your process for how to get a product off the ground. How important getting other people involved. There is a cautionary note there that you have to have non-disclosure agreements, etc. But it's interesting to me that what people would like you to believe, like, oh, this is a really difficult process. It will cost you $1,000 in four months for us to make your product. When really, you can kind of go around the back way. Jessica, there's two issues there. One is involving other people. I think it's critical. I think you have to be careful, but it's critical. Just yesterday, I showed my new toothpaste tube to one of the guys at school. And because I was so proud of it, I go, isn't this cool Vortex toothpaste? He goes, yeah, but why'd you spell fluoride wrong on your package? <laughs> I, go, what are you, I go, what are you talking about? In big, bold letters, it says anti-cavity fluoride toothpaste. Sure enough, I spelled fluoride wrong on the package. Now, luckily, we hadn't made the full run of them. This was just a prototype. I go, oh, my God, how could I have been so stupid? He goes, yeah, and this should have been hyphened, and this is wrong, and I might. Thank you so much for, where was I? You get so far in the weeds, it's so much fun when you have somebody else comes in, has a cup of coffee, and talks about what they see in your product. That's a real key issue you brought up. Is there anything else you want to talk about? This might be a bigger conversation that we can have next week, but once you're the prototype, what do you do about approaching manufacturers? That would be a good one, because that's when you set the price point. That's when you figure out, how much should you charge for it? And should you go off the coast to Canada or to Asia and all those kind of things? Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Dad, for taking the time to start laying all this out for all of us about how to navigate the treacherous waters that is product development. Tune in next week. We will have part three of how to produce your invention. And yeah, really exciting stuff. Thanks so much, Dad. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jessica.